AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Hope you're having a good day. Much of the Midwest still waiting for the rain to clear out so harvest can get going again. In the meantime, we have plenty to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about the supply chain issues with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. We're going to talk trade with Brian Keel with Farmers for Free Trade. They held a big event yesterday talking about some trade issues. And we'll also have some tips on uh, winterizing your equipment with that cold weather just around the corner. So we'll cover that today, but we're going to start things off by bringing in a world traveler, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report, back from Greece. Are you kind of caught up again there in Washington, D.C., Jerry? Well, I'm still getting uh, a bit over jet lag. You know, it was it's uh, Greece is a long way. It was an 11-hour flight from Athens to New York and then another flight to D.C. Uh, but I'm getting there, and I'm uh, looking forward to both the, the Senate and the House coming back next week and and I see them as uh, facing a lot of deadlines in the in the next uh, couple months. Boy, they really do. Have you are you seeing or hearing anything on the Democrat side that as they try to come up with a figure and uh, can they cut their spending plan down where some don't want to cut it at all? Where are they on that? Well, I think they will end up coming up with a figure and they, and they will cut it. The big question I have is. What's going to happen to these agriculture programs uh, that are in the bill? You know, there's money for agricultural research, for rural development, uh, for forestry management. There's a biofuels provision. Um, and we haven't heard anything uh, yet uh, about what's going on with any of that if they cut the, if they cut the programs. Uh, the ag researchers are now uh, campaigning vigorously to keep the money in there, and also I know that the uh, water and waste uh, organizations that are concerned with the with the plumbing systems in the in the smallest towns, those under 10,000, uh, there's money in there for them, and they want to keep keep it. Uh, but I guess I'll just have to wait till next week when Congress comes back to see, you know, to try to find out what's going on. Yeah, all that was kind of dangled out there as a carrot for agriculture. Here's all that you would get if this passes, count, counting on a lot of support. But now uh, we'll see if they can deliver on that or not. It remains to be seen. A lot of controversy around this. Now, let's look at the uh, the supply chain issues. I heard the president say, well, one of the things that would really address this is pass the infrastructure bill. And I'm thinking you could pass the infrastructure bill if you would separate it from the budget reconciliation bill. Well, yes, they could do that, but but uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think you could get it through the House at this point. You have to do um, you have to do both of them uh, unless the Republicans are going to vote for the infrastructure bill. Uh, and so far, they have been indicating that they uh, the House Republicans have been indicating they won't vote for it. So we're still faced with the same uh, with the same issue. Now, to me, the the big point uh, uh, right now is that the Congress, uh, the Democrats, want to deliver something for President Biden before he goes to this uh, UN meeting on climate in Glasgow, Scotland, at the end of October. And so the the new pressure is on to do something by October 31st, and we'll have to see if they can do it. Congress, like journalists works better under a deadline, may not be the best product, but at least you get something out if you have a deadline. I realize it didn't do it the last time, but we'll have to see how this, how this one goes. I think the other concern here, I know I'm concerned about inflation, and many are saying, and I, and I know the administration keeps saying they don't think inflation's that big of a issue it's a temporary thing i i don't i i'm concerned about it quite frankly but i hear economists say the worst thing to do in inflationary times is pour more government spending into the picture and that's exactly what these spending bills would do so how much of a factor do you think that is in this 
I don't think that that's going to be a big factor. Uh, I think the big factor will be whether the Democrats can reach uh, can, can reach agreement on the uh, on the proposal. Uh, because if it's if it if we're really talking about it being a Democratic only bill, uh, they really want these programs uh, that are in there. Uh, now, the probably the. The most likely result is going to be that the period of time that these that the programs in the Build Back Better Build Better Act back build oh never mind yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that the most likely they'll, they'll be shortened so that you cut the amount of the expenditure. Uh, there, there, it's a choice between that or not doing some of the programs. Uh, so we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to see about that. Yeah, in other words, try to make it, uh, if you massage the numbers a little bit, try to get what you want, but make it look a little more appealing to more people. But uh, I think there's still a lot of concerns over just the amount of money to be that would be spent. Uh, meanwhile, the, the supply chain issues that I mentioned, how have, you know, the president comes out and says they're going to expand port hours and uh, have more trucks moving at night. And I was saying yesterday, that didn't really address the labor shortage issue. Uh, how is all that playing, and what are you hearing in Washington? Uh, well, you're right that it doesn't address the, uh, the labor issue. Uh, the, uh, the real situation with the labor seems to be that, for the moment at least, workers don't want to go, you know, they don't want to take jobs uh, in which they have to commute too far or they feel that the wages are too low, and they, they don't you know somehow they've got enough money uh to hold out for a while or to take the better job and then we have to add into this uh that people are retiring um i just saw a report that in the past year 3.5 million people have retired and normally that would be 1.6 million i mean that's a lot more uh those numbers are of course our estimates but, uh, uh, you know, to a degree, I think our, we have a labor shortage because people are retiring younger than, than they have in the past. But isn't some of this self-inflicted? A lot of people were paid not to go back to work, and uh, surprise, surprise, they didn't. Well, but that's over now. The, the, addi the additional uh, pay is, uh, um, is, you know, the additional unemployment benefit is down, and still people are, uh, you know, they're not applying for a lot of these jobs. Uh, I think that better working conditions and higher wages may be what the, uh, what the workers uh, get. And then you have people like the workers at, at John Deere who are seeing John Deere making profits and saying, this is our moment to ask for, for, uh, uh, for a raise and better working conditions. Of course, the other part of it, when you have inflation, you have higher wages, but you don't gain that much because everything costs more. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Jerry, good to have you back. Good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot. Yes, maybe next week I'll know more. All right, take care. Jerry All Hagstrom right. with the Hagstrom Report. We'll talk more about this uh, supply chain uh, real problem that is affecting our lives in so many different ways and what the administration has announced how they're trying to address it we're going to talk with mike steenhook executive director of the soy transportation coalition get his thoughts on on this plus where we're at with the infrastructure bill that's next on aoa aoa is brought to you by Cenex matron synthetic diesel engine oils oils that run smart these acres you've put your life into your view each harvest morning while the ag industry changes this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs that's why ads and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect america's farm families we're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen.
peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. And Listy 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlisty 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company and Listy 3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlisty 3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, Foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Supply chain issues. Let's talk about them with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And Mike, thank you for joining us. I just, I've, I've been very critical and disappointed and frustrated with uh, the president and the administration's announcement of how they're addressing it, saying that after working on this for months, then they come out with an announcement they're going to expand port hours and basically put more, you know, have trucks drive more at night when there's less traffic. I mean, those things could help, I guess, but that's hardly. Uh, much of a solution to a very uh, complex problem that supposedly you've been studying and working on for months, and this is what you come out with. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on what the real problems are here and what it's going to take to address them. I mean, it, I know there are several factors, right? There, there, there are a lot of layers to this. Yeah, in in you know the the, the real culprit is there's this been this profound shift and it's it occurred throughout the second half of last year and well into and throughout the course of this year and that is this profound shift of consumer spending away from services and into goods people obviously haven't been spending on things like vacations and entertainment and those kind of things and they've spent it into goods so there's this shift away from services but then also with with stimulus money that we that we received last year and then also many of us this year um, there's more money uh, to actually go into that. So it's put a unexpected and profound uh, demand onto manufacturing and then therefore the supply chain that accommodates it. And you know, one of the things I try to underscore is it's not just limited to one mode of transportation. You know, the, the, the visuals of these ocean vessels in queue outside waiting for a shipping berth by the, some of these port regions that, that's a very compelling visual, but the, the, the stress of the supply chain, it's manifest with trucking, with distribution centers, with barge companies, uh, with rail, um, with container availability. It, it really is, is manifest in all these areas. Yeah, so there are a lot of layers to it. And a lot of it comes down to labor, doesn't it? Yeah, I think arguably the biggest challenge facing the United States is not are these facilities like ports open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, that, 
that certainly can't hurt, and we hope that it, it provides some degree of relief. But, you know, the biggest challenge, arguably, in the United States is a shortage of labor. So you can have a facility open more hours, but you have to have the labor uh, there to, to be able to accommodate that and to actually work that particular shift. And one of the things that's, that's happening with, with transportation um, modes is they're, they're competing for workers with some of these other industries like construction or like distribution or retail, those kind of other industries um, where those other industries that does not involve being away from home for extended periods of time. And that's always been a challenge for like truck drivers and for like barge workers on, on barges. Um, you know, that kind of lifestyle where you're away from home for a considerable period of time, it can be appealing to some individuals, but it's certainly not appealing to a lot of folks. So it, it just remains this challenge to be able to get needed workers in some of these transportation fields. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not a quick fix to that. I was going to ask you, I mean, we've been talking about this for months. It doesn't seem to be getting any better. So how long do you see this going? Well, I, I, I think this is something that can last, that will last throughout 2021 and well into 2022. And, you know, hopefully we continue to kind of, you know, finally catch up with this. But, you know, I, you know the reality is, is manufacturing and global supply chains, it's not like running a cupcake shop where if you're a cupcake shop owner and, all of a sudden you realize, well, i got to double my production of chocolate cupcakes tomorrow. That's just simply a matter of going to the grocery store, getting more, getting more ingredients, and maybe you work throughout the night to bake, but then you can pretty easily have to be able to satisfy your demand the next day. Whereas with manufacturing and supply chains, you think about it takes a while to build an ocean vessel, and some of these ports have only a limited number of cranes or land where they can handle these ships. And, you know, freight rail is a very capital-intensive industry. And so all of these industries, you know, you try to make them as nimble as possible. That's always a goal. But just simply by definition, it's something that it takes a while if you have this unexpected shock to our system, which clearly happened last year, and it's persisting uh, to this day. Um, it takes a while to recover from that. And then when, if you insert something like, say, a, a COVID outbreak at a port facility, um, and this has happened in China, where all of a sudden that, then the, therefore that port facility has to be closed, You're, you'll see a similar queue of ocean vessels waiting for that port as well. So this is not just something limited to the United States. You see this evidence throughout the world. We're talking with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Okay, well, we're about to hit some real pressure points here. I mean, it's 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 been an inconvenience to go to the store and not find things that you want. Uh, it's also their sticker shock on things you want. If you do find them, what you're going to pay for them. But when you've got a couple of seasons are coming up here that are really going to be critical. There's the, the holiday season, and we can all certainly point to the fact that things have become way too commercialized around Christmas time, that's for sure. But still, the point being, there's going to be a lot of outcry if people can't find things that they want to get for their families at Christmas time. That's going to be a lot of pressure. And then a bigger issue is going to be if we can't get the inputs needed for agriculture for planting crops next year, uh, those are two big pressure points that are going to come to bear here pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's when, you know, supply chain issues, which is usually doesn't even make the newspaper, it becomes a top-of-the-fold front page, you know, mm -hmm. issue. And, and uh you know, you only notice, you know, the road when, when there's an actual pothole in it. You know, so you notice the problems. And, you know, there, there's, there's a number of potholes in our global supply chain, and it's going to become more of a, a kitchen table. It has been, and it will continue to be a kitchen table, you know, topic. Um, you know, you're talking about U.S. fertilizer and, and some of the other challenges with farm inputs. Um, you know, the, the fertilizer issue, there's a number of reasons for that challenge. Some of it's, you know, simple production areas, but then there's, you know, energy prices going up. So some of it is not related to supply chain, but some of it clearly is. And it, it doesn't really, you know, it, it minimizes the benefits of farmers if you've got high commodity prices, if your input prices are, are escalating at a rate higher than the, than the, than the commodity prices are. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's clearly what one of the concerns are. So something that we'll be clearly focusing on moving forward. 
Okay, we've talked mostly about incoming. Let's talk about outgoing. And in our next segment, I'm going to be talking about trade. We talk a lot about market development, the importance of exports. We know how important that is to agriculture. Uh, is this impacting our ability to deliver products to our customers around the world? Uh, very acutely for those who export agricultural products via containers. So getting the, the the necessary volume of empty containers, you know, these containers, these 20 or 40, typically 20 or 40 feet in length steel boxes, they come in with consumer goods or, you know, manufacturing components. They get unloaded here in the United States, and then that provides a backhaul opportunity for agricultural exports to go back to places like China or other Asian countries. Getting those containers available for agricultural exports is very, very difficult. And so it's causing a lot of stress and, and challenges for, for those particular exporters. But, you know, this whole supply chain issue, it also affects, you know, how those that export via bulk. You know, so, you know, this labor issue that I've been talking about, it impacts trucking, it impacts barge workers, that when you, when you don't have your, your adequate or sufficient volume of, of labor, that puts upward pressure on, on rates and prices, that decreases efficiency. Um, you know, bulk ocean vessels, um, you're seeing similar kind of challenges with that. Um, and then when you kind of throw in maybe a weather event like a Hurricane Ida, you know, it starts adding insult to injury. So, you know, this is something that is impacting all industries. Agriculture will not be unscathed. Um, so it clearly is going to be a challenge, you know, moving forward. And meanwhile, we wait to see what happens with the infrastructure bill. It looks like it's held up, held hostage by the reconciliation bill. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, you know, this should be a real impetus um, to, to actually get that infrastructure bill passed. And, you know, clearly that won't be a magic wand to eliminate all these challenges that we have currently, but it will send a, a, a very strong signal that we are going to do all we can to have a multimodal transportation system that is better equipped to handle, you know, the needs of the American and global economy, that would be a wonderful signal. Uh, unfortunately, it's still um, being debated in, uh, in the House of Representatives and, and kind of being, you know, what I think is captive to uh, another piece of legislation that, um, you know, we think that you should just pass the infrastructure bill in isolation and not make it incumbent upon another more controversial piece of legislation. Mike, always good to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Very interesting panel put together by Farmers for Free Trade yesterday discussing trade and what needs to be done. We'll talk with Brian Keel with Farmers for Free Trade about that next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by... Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At Harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. U.S. ethanol production recorded a 5.5% weekly increase. A 1.03 million barrel ethanol production level was the highest since July and exceeded the pace needed to reach the USDA's annual forecast. There were no surprises for corn and beans in this week's export sales report as both fell in the middle of the trade ranges. Wheat sales, however, exceeded the high end of trade expectations and came nearly 70,000 tons above the largest trade guess. China was the top 
buyer of beans on the week, while Mexico was the top buyer of corn and second largest buyer of beans and wheat. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading nine and three quarters of a cent higher at 526 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract trading nine cents higher at 535. For soybeans, January up 11 and a half cent at 1227. March up 11 and three quarters at 1236. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading 11 and a fraction of a cent higher at 736 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat December up 14 and three quarters at 745 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December up 12 and three quarters at 972 and three quarters. The March contract up 11 and a half cent at 959 and a half cent. All is quiet in cash cattle country this morning with a bulk of business essentially done for the week. Asking prices for cattle left on show lists are around $125 in the south and $198 in the north. Having said that, a little cleanup trade will likely take place here and there today. Beef cutouts are expected to be higher with light to moderate box movement. For hogs, they continue to trade under sell pressure. December live cattle up 30 cents at 13060 February trading 32 cents higher at 13497 Feeder cattle November down 97 at 16117 January down 80 at 16155 In lean hogs the December contract up a dollar 7 at 7840 February up a dollar 2 at 8132 You're listening to AOA I'm Kirsten Rawl Hey dad your prescription will be ready in just a minute Hey dad your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Yesterday, Farmers for Free Trade put together a, a very good panel of experts talking about trade and what they feel the Biden administration needs to do as far as trade policy. Here to talk about it is Brian Keel with Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, good to talk with you again. Very interesting panel yesterday. What was, uh, what was the takeaway, you think, from that event? Well, Mike, and thanks for having me on. I, I think the takeaway was that our competitors, other countries, be it EU or Australia or some South American countries, they're, they're negotiating trade agreements, and, and they're increasing their share of global trade, and that the U.S. really, for the last couple of years, has been kind of on the sidelines. We had these trade wars, but we didn't negotiate a lot of new agreements. We got U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement done, but that was a renewal of NAFTA. And it's time we get back in the game. We've got to start start executing some new deals and opening some new markets. The Biden administration has been kind of quiet on trade. Now, we've had a few things recently from uh, Trade Representative Tai concerning China, but even then, not a lot of specifics and uh, kind of talking about leaving the tariffs in place and things like that. But haven't seen much as far as aggressive moves towards opening or developing new markets. Uh, did your panel find that disappointing? Well, I think I think most of the panelists acknowledged, look, when you get a new administration, you want to give them a little bit of a honeymoon, give them a chance to get their feet under them and assess the situation. But I think the message coming out of this panel was the honeymoon's over. It's time to get to work. Roll up your sleeves. And specifically look at Southeast Asia. I mean, I, I think everyone appreciates you know, the Trump administration drew a hard line on China. Biden's drawing a hard line on China. Okay, that that's certainly a reasonable thing to do in some circumstances. But but then what? We can't just lose that market or or, or put it at risk. So let's uh, 
let's broaden and diversify. Let's get new markets so that uh, that we're able to compete better. So was the feeling of your panel that we should uh, look at joining then the um, you know what the trade pact of those uh, countries that we didn't get into we we stayed out of but they've kind of reformed it now uh, or is was the feeling of your group that that's something we should enter into absolutely every I think almost every panelist weighed in on that and said yes we should join what was the trans-pacific partnership it's now called the CPTPP but I you know the whole point of the trans-pacific partnership and it's important for people to remember that's a deal that America negotiated. You know, the Obama administration went in and negotiated with Australia, and Vietnam, and Japan, and Canada. They formed this 12-member block really as a counterweight to China. And then at the last minute, once Trump came into office, President Trump on his second day in office pulled us out of the TPP. So suddenly it was 11 countries except the U.S. And now other countries in the world, the EU included, are saying, well, we'd kind of like to be in that partnership. I mean, you got a lot of a lot of discussion saying, well, that's a pretty neat trade block. We shouldn't be on the sidelines. We should be we should be in the room helping make that thing happen. There's, um, you know, when you when you look at that and that was controversial and uh, uh, whether we should or shouldn't, turns out, as you said, we didn't. And they've gone on and reformed it. And now it seems like we're back to being very reliant again solely on China, almost to the point, again, I've often said our safety net is spelled C-H-I-N-A. We, we rely upon that one market so much. That, to me, that leaves us vulnerable. It absolutely does. And, and look, if, if we want to be a counterweight to China, I mean, if we, want to, if we want to make sure China doesn't become dominant throughout Southeast Asia, the best thing we can do is engage with all those other countries. Um, you know, why, like, at the same time, we're challenging China to hedge enemy in the South China Sea in terms of military power. Why aren't we challenging their economic power? Why aren't we getting into Indonesia, getting into Malaysia, getting into Vietnam? The more that U.S. trades with those countries, the more those countries orient toward us and have a backstop against China power. So I think it's both in our economic interest and I think it's in our geopolitical interest that we're back in the CPTPP. We're talking with Brian Keel with Farmers for Free Trade. Meanwhile, Brian, right now we're dealing with a lot of logistical transportation supply chain issues of being able to deliver products that we do sell. I mean, it, it, we've obviously got to develop markets, but we also have to be able to deliver to those markets. And that and that really came up strong on the panel yesterday. We had a we had a, a representative from a port in Florida who that particular port isn't facing those challenges, but but he did a good job commenting on sort of the global, not global but national challenges the U.S. is facing, specifically the Pacific ports, but also some uh, now rolling over to Savannah and some other areas. So those shipping challenges are real and uh, and need to be addressed. And you know a lot of that's sort of the, the peculiar circumstances of COVID, where everyone in the U.S. stopped buying for a spell, stopped spending money on, on restaurants and going out to eat, and suddenly have extra cash and are buying, uh, you know, uh, online like never before. I mean, our, our imports have just been skyrocketing because so many people are buying, you know, Peloton bikes or, <laughs> or new riding lawn tractors or whatever it is they want. And, um, and that's really causing a snarl in the whole supply chain, and, and it, it, we need to work that through, absolutely. All right, so you said, well, it's been a honeymoon period. The honeymoon period now is over. We need to get aggressive here. Um, was there a feeling that besides entering CPTPP, or at least looking at it, that there, should, there could be some other deals out there that we could be making? Well, one, one thing that I thought was a real aha moment for me, and I think a lot of people on the panel, was recognizing the vast majority of trade, including ag trade, happens with countries where we don't have formal free trade agreements. So take China as an example. We got the phase one agreement that, that Trump had put in place. But before that, I mean, we've been trading with China for a long time. And those trades happen under the rules of the WTO, the World Trade Organization. The WTO is broken right now, in part because the U.S. has, has sort of blocked 
uh, putting people on their appellate body. So anytime there's a conflict, it has to go to the appellate body, which rules on, on whether the conflict's legitimate or not. Uh, a lot of the panelists commented that one of the things we can do to stabilize and expand our trade is fix the WTO. We need to get that appellate body working. We need to make sure that it can go to go to bat for us. As uh, we've won a lot of cases in the WTO, U.S. Ag has. It's a useful tool for us, but only if it's functioning. So, so that's one place where not a new trade agreement, but it could really help with trade. That would take a while, though, probably. Yeah, I mean, I I think putting putting uh, people on the appellate body is not a lo- is not a, a long term problem. I mean, that, that could be done relatively quickly over, over a matter of you know a year. If you're going to do structural reform and change rules of WTO, that's certainly a long negotiation. But, but getting the appellate body back up and running uh, should not be, that, that's not going to take multiple years. You know, when we look at trade overall, uh, we think a lot about grain, obviously, and China, as we mentioned, has a lot to do there. But, uh, you know, each week I talked with the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and We've seen strong meat export numbers even throughout the pandemic. I mean, obviously, there's a demand out there. There absolutely is, um, and and that's the good news. I, and I think we're all we're all happy that that exports this year have been as strong as they have been. But I think a couple things to keep in mind. One is, you know, we're playing both a short game and a long game. We want to win this year, but we also win, want to win ten years from now. And as other countries negotiate trade deals, you know, as Canada gets into the the Trans-Pacific Partnership and we don't, they start to execute contracts into Vietnam and into other countries. They start to develop relationships. And we may be okay this year, we may be okay next year, but eventually that catches up to us. We've got to be in the game, we've got to be aggressive, we've got to be promoting ourselves, or or eventually we fall behind. Better to be proactive than as we so often seem to be reactive. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think that was the message from the Biden administration is, okay, roll up your sleeves and, uh, and start pushing for, for expanding U.S. ag exports. And, uh, the CPTPP is one place to look, but there's a lot of other places we can look where we can, we can start making inroads. I mean, uh, Africa, everyone knows, is going to be a growing, growing area. Southeast Asia, outside of the CPTPP, there are countries that we should be looking at. So there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and I think the broad message to the, the Biden administration is roll up your sleeves and, and get to work. Yeah, we heard all that talk about maybe a deal with the U.K., maybe something with the E.U., haven't heard much about that either. That's right. And, and you know, UK is one where, where we'd like to see some progress and some traction in particular. It's a, it'd be a nice counterweight to the EU. You know, part of the challenge with the EU is they, they have all these different uh, rules and regulations. They're farm to fork, they're green deal, uh, they're kind of, you know, putting limitations on pesticide use and other things. And the UK might be a, a little bit of a counterweight in that region if, if we can execute a good deal with the UK. Yeah, not sure uh, what our relationship is with the UK right now or how they're looking at uh, our current uh, political situation, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. All, always interesting, Brian. Uh, trade is so critically important. A lot of factors uh, get involved, and, and we know that uh, political issues, um, social issues certainly impact ag trade, and Uh, That's something to watch with China and in other parts of the world as well. Good to talk with you again. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Sure appreciate it. Be well. Take care. Brian Keel with Farmers for Free Trade. Well, it hasn't felt too much like it in many places yet, uh, but we know that cold weather is not that far away. We're going to have some tips for you in making sure your equipment is prepared and winterized. We'll talk about that next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. 
You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlisty 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlist E3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. Enlist E3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlist E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system. See program details at sprayearlyguarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
Well, it's that time of year again. Time to start thinking about cold weather and time to winterize your stored diesel fuel. Today, we're going to talk with Chad Christensen, Product Quality and Additives Manager at CHS. So, Chad, here we go again, that time of year. Tell us, remind us what happens to fuel when the temperatures drop. Well, when number two diesel fuel gets cold, and, and even if it's just a little cooler in the overnight temperatures, it may reach its cloud point or or the point where wax wax crystals develop in the fuel. And so now paraffin wax is always in the diesel fuel, but it doesn't cause an issue until the fuel drops below that cloud point. And, and so if the diesel is left untreated and it's not winterized, those wax crystals can fall out of suspension and plug filters uh, choke off the fuel supply, fuel supply to the engine, causing a, a host of problems, including that unwanted downtime. So how do farmers winterize their fuel and prevent that from happening? Well, I've always said you should you should try to have a good understanding of your fuel's cold weather characteristics and especially that cloud point. And and for for number 2 diesel, we see cloud point range from 6 degrees to to 14 degrees depending on on where you live. And so a good rule of thumb is to switch to that winter blend 15 degrees above your fuel's actual cloud point. And, and so when temperatures drop to the, the 20s and 30s, it's time to blend in that number one diesel fuel as well as, as CFI or cold flow improvers for the winter season. And number one, it has an extremely low cloud point, as low as 65 degrees below zero. And so for every 10% of number one diesel fuel that's added, the fuel cloud point uh, of that blend will drop by roughly uh, three degrees Fahrenheit. So an early season move to the winter blended fuel is always recommended. Uh, those wax crystals can build very quickly, uh, like I said, during a, a quick cold snap. So keep your eye on the forecast because if it's at or below your fuel's cloud point, uh, that number one fuel won't blend in with your number two diesel fuel that you have in the tank. And, and then you'll be plugging filters either on your storage equipment or, or sorry, your storage tank or even in your equipment. Let's talk about uh, winterizing leftover fuel. When harvest is over, you're done, uh, you're going into winter. What about that fuel that's left over? Sure. You, you really want to remember to factor in your remaining inventory. And so don't just have number one uh, diesel fuel delivered and 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 on top of your stored number two fuel. And so you want to gauge the remaining inventory of that number two diesel fuel. That way you've got a good understanding of, of your fuel's uh, cold weather characteristics. And, and another option, and likely the best option is to, is utilizing a winterized Cenex premium diesel fuel that's, that's blended with precision right at the terminal, like Cenex Fieldmaster seasonally enhanced during these these shoulder seasons like late fall or early spring, or, or even utilize uh, Cenex Winter Master in the dead of the winter. Um, Winter Master is built to run at temperatures down to 30 below zero, all while optimizing that power uh, and engine performance. Um, you know, Winter Master is going to offer those quicker starts on the coldest mornings and keeps those wax crystals uh, suspended that's going to prevent them from falling out and plugging those fuel filters. Chad, explain more for us how fuel blending improves diesel engine performance. Well, what it's going to do is is eliminate any kind of filter clogging. Um, so, so what we're seeing a lot of times, if we're seeing wax fallout, um, it's going to get caught on your equipment's fuel filter. And so that's going to choke off that fuel supply. Um, it, it's going to miss on, on injectors and, and, and you're going to start seeing some issues like that. You know, it could, could cause some, uh, shaking or rough, rough starts. Um, you know, even some, some mileage, uh, and power, uh, drops. How can folks get more information or go over this type of information? Just some good reminders for them. Sure. Yeah. We've, we've covered a lot today, but I think, uh, fuel blending can be tricky uh, if left to do it on your own. So let us eliminate that guesswork and and create the proper blend for you based on on your geography out there in the country. So reach out to your local Cinex dealer or or visit us at Cinex.com to learn more. 
And obviously, these are important steps. Uh, those temperatures seem to change in a hurry and can catch you off guard. So uh, it's important to be ready for this. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I'd rather be ahead of the curve instead of behind it, Mike. All right. Thanks, Chad. Chad Christensen, Product Quality and Additives Manager at CHS. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today and for the week. Uh, just a note that I'll be on vacation next week, so Mike Pearson will be sitting in for me. And wow, just such a long list of critical issues facing agriculture and our country. I'm just jotting them down. We've been talking about them, but we're these are going to be in the news for some time. We're going to be dealing with them for some time. When you look at supply chain issues, uh, waiting to see what happens with infrastructure, uh, the trade issues, Inflation is a huge issue as we see the price of everything go up, the things that we can find to, to purchase cost more. And then you've got the, these issues that we haven't heard much about lately, but are supposedly being worked on. And that's the RFS, what's going to happen. We still don't have, uh, you know, uh, the RVO levels uh, announced yet. And we're waiting to see what's going to happen with waters of the U.S. as they continue now to gather information to, to write a new rule. And on that, on WOTUS, Again, as we've heard in the last few days, the current, the new rule, the 2020 rule, is now suspended. We're actually back to operating under a 1980s era rule. So we kind of wait for all that to sort out. This administration is going to write a new rule, and then we'll see what kind of challenges come up uh, against that. So that's a big issue as well. It really comes down to who can best protect our land and water. Farmers, the stewards of the land, believe they can. But the federal government says it can. And while we wait to see what the, the courts tell us and what we're left with are actually more questions than answers, more uncertainty again. So once again, politics, instead of making the waters more clear, have actually muddied the waters, something we deal with a lot. Hey, have a good weekend. I'll talk to you in a week. And uh, thanks for joining us right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.